This is BC Projects Podcast, and today my guest is Shane Gifog, who's an American artist that looks through the lens of humanity at civilizations, both past and present, and views time as threads that connect all people, as his work is a visual language that is informed by a spiritualism of abstraction and the realism of the masters. These two ideas are usually seen as separate, but Gifog fuses them seamlessly into works that transcend and become testaments to thoughts that inform us of who we are in the 21st century. And um, today we're in Hollywood in uh, my studio, El Nido studio, The Nest. And thank you for the intro, Shane. Yeah, you're welcome. Live music. Live music, yes, on my old guitar. Today we're going to be um, discussing your Jivna Geneva de Banchi. <laughs> I had to learn some Italian series um, after uh, um, Leonardo da Vinci's series that he, his painting that he did in 1474, and he finished it in 1478. Long time ago, yes. And I, I think, as I recall, it was his first commissioned portrait, um, and her name was Geneva. And the Benchi means that that's, I think, of Benchi, of the town of Benchi. And I saw the painting. It hangs in um, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. at a museum there. And I saw it <clears throat> many, many years ago, I think 1989. It's just a small thing. And it's on a wood panel. And the back of it is also painted. And, and the, you can see it on the other side. And it's got like a almost a ribbon-esque thing on there, oddly enough. But the painting just struck me as so odd. And I kept looking at it and looking at it, you know, then um, I was, I'll tell you how it all came about. I was doing the Still Point series that started in 2009. And then towards, in 2011, I was, I felt like I had kind of run out of things to say with the Still Points at that time. So I, I often look at art books or go to the museum to get inspiration. And I was, uh, I had this big art book on Leonardo da Vinci and I opened it to that photo of her, of Geneva da Vinci. And it's such a strange picture because the right side of her face, which would be our left side, is facing in one direction. And she's like going a three quarters view. And the other side of her face is somehow facing in a different direction mm-hmm. and it's coming towards us. So <clears throat> it's almost like he's trying to show us two points of view, mm-hmm. two perspectives at the same time. It's true, yeah. I'm looking at a picture of it yeah. from the National Gallery and it almost looks like she's kind of cross-eyed. She looks cross-eyed, yeah. yeah. And, and um, she's not looking at us, she's looking past us. She's looking just off to our right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and then I start thinking about the fact that well maybe, <clears throat> maybe he had done a lot of different sittings with her, and um, he did one side of the face from one angle, then he did another side of the face, and I thought you know he's he was too good of a painter, too great of an artist to make a mistake like that. So what is he trying to say to us? And and then I thought well maybe. You know, this is like the beginning of cubism, mm-hmm. where he's flattening out space, or 
time and space and relativity, um, it, it, it's all based on your, your perspective, right? And, mm -hmm. and where you are looking at something. And it changes the angle and the views and so on and so forth. So I thought, <clears throat> and then there's, if you really start looking at the painting and it's got this beautiful background right. behind her, this dreamy landscape, and then out of her, behind her head, is this tree coming out, almost like growing out of her head. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, I'm looking at it closely, and it's so beautiful, and very strange, and very surreal. And, and I thought, I needed to, I wanted to um, have a dialogue with this painting, have a visual conversation. And so the last still point of painting I made in 2011, I used the, her flesh tones for the lines against this, this black, dark brown, Van, Van Dyke brown background. Um, <clears throat> and it's a large painting. But then um, I realized that there was something quite interesting in that it, within itself. And I thought, well, what if I start really delving into her flesh tone, the color of her hair, and if you, you know, you can zoom in on that, on her picture and mm -hmm. see the fine little brush strokes in her hair. Yeah. Um, and that they're almost these sort of ribbon-esque movements. And then if you look at her, um, her blouse and it's this burnt sienna and it's got this gold trim mm -hmm. with these blue mm -hmm. lace, laces holding it together. Um, so I, I decided to, basically it's almost as if like if you go into Photoshop and you open up an image in Photoshop and you click with your eyedropper to get a sample mm -hmm. of a specific spot, right? And then you see exactly what the color that is. Um, and so you're seeing it with your eye and not your mind because oftentimes when we see something with our mind, our mind tells us what color it is based on we know that's supposed mm -hmm. to be a blue sky, mm -hmm. but it's not really blue, mm -hmm. right? right. And so with that in mind, I, I, did, I ended up doing 52 paintings. <laughs> I know, call me crazy. 52 paintings over the two years where I just kept delving into this painting and the shapes, the lines, the forms, the colors, the light and pulling and pulling and pulling and having a dialogue with it. And, and some, of the, some of the paintings, I think it was number 13, um, it has this, like the curvature of her face, of her forehead, is the movement within the painting. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly looking at the different movements that, mm -hmm. that he was creating within this piece to then almost figure out a way to, to, to write a language of sorts, create a language, a visual language um, yeah, that really, describes her. Yeah. yeah, it's really poetic. I mean, zooming in, I've never zoomed in on her face before. Uh -huh. And gosh, you just, it's, it's sort of hypnotizing. It's, it's, you kind of really go into her eyes and then her forehead. Yeah. And then her cheeks, because her forehead is so pale, but then her cheeks have this flesh tone and her lips, and then, and then you get sort of swallowed into the, the curls, like you said. And I can see that I'm looking at number thirteen as well. And it's it you kind of go into this for me, 
cerebral kind of destiny that feels really good. You know, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a high. It is, and you know, I mean, so he worked on this painting for what, two years, I think, something like that. Four years. Four years. Okay. Yeah. So if you hold your hand in front of, say, the right side of what would be our right side, mm -hmm. and you're just looking at the left side of the painting, mm -hmm. you see one person. Right. And she is probably in her 20s. And she is looking off about mm, at a 45 degree angle off of my shoulder, right? Looking yeah. out into towards, yeah. like, towards the ground somewhere. Right. Now do the opposite on the other one. Oh my and God. now you have, suddenly, it's a much older woman. Yeah. And she looks like she's a little weathered, wow. a little tired. Yeah. And so we're seeing, wow. and see how their eyes, like the one, her left eye, which oh is our God. right side. Yeah. She's Amazing. tired. She's like an older woman. She's an older woman. Oh my gosh. Right. That's incredible. So not only was he showing us, it's almost like two people at the same time or two versions of the same person, but wow. he's also showing us two perspectives. Right. Simultaneously. Right. And, and, and also, when you look at her as an older woman, you see that landscape. Yes. That goes into probably some other symbolic reference. Right. And then on the, if you're looking at her, our, mm -hmm. her right side or her face, our left side, the younger yeah. version, it's got those two openings. Right. You know, that are sort of pointing in towards her. Mm -hmm. Right. And and then the her scarf, the black scarf, as it loops around her neck, is following the line in the of the in the uh, tree, in the right. you know the light coming through the tree, and that leads us into her hair, uh -huh. and and the ribbon, the bow in her hair. It's all there, you know. It's it's a pictorial device to guide us into this picture. Now, how did you know this? How did you know to figure this out? I just looked at it. <laughs> I just lied. I, in Washington, you, when you were at the Museum of Washington, D.C., you kind of looked at it and spent yeah. time and then put your hand up? And yeah, yeah. and I thought, well, I, I closed one eye uh -huh. and squinted with the other one and to see if, if they could match up. And they kind of do. Mm -hmm. But then you open up both eyes again, and all of a sudden, it's distorted. Mm-hmm. And again, I thought he's, you know, he's too talented, too gifted mm -hmm. of an artist to make that kind of mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for four years. Yeah. So what is he telling us? What is he showing us? Mm -hmm. And I think that he's showing us a young woman and an older woman um, at two stages of her life. We're looking through the lens of time. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's and it's just a, a profound painting to me. Right. And I'd never really seen anything like that. You know, then I start thinking about Einstein's theory of relativity, mm -hmm. and and cubism and Picasso and Brock and how they were about flattening out space, and because what he's what Leonardo da Vinci's doing is pulling the left side of her face forward, so mm -hmm. it should be going around and out of view. But instead, he's bringing it forward, so we have it. We see more than we should be seeing with our eyes. Yeah, yeah. And and I just thought that was really kind of odd and staggering and beautiful and um 
and it inspired me to, like I said, just to use his palette, use the lines, use the light as my starting point mm -hmm. to really delve into this painting to see if I could go deeper to have a, a, a fuller understanding of what I thought I was, I think I'm seeing. And, you know, it, and it was quite a journey for me. Um, yeah. So, 52 paintings, some of them are, they go beyond the traditional palette of what her, her portrait is. They go into greens or they go into blues. So, yeah, but there's blues. Look in the background. Yeah, yeah, there's blues in the background. Yeah. So my question is, did you started with her, that portrait, mm -hmm. and, you know, you did number one, you went into number two, three, four. Were each of the paintings influenced by the one before it, or did you keep going back to the original portrait and say, okay, now I really want to focus on this area of the portrait? That's a great question. It was kind of both, uh -huh. um, because I would be, you know, focusing on one little spot there. And then, in so doing, I thought, oh, but this other spots really interesting too mm -hmm. and then I was looking at the light coming through the, the leaves on the left hand side of the mm -hmm. painting our left and and this it's almost like a like a veil of light coming through mm -hmm. so in some of the paintings I, I mm -hmm. created a veil of light you know so that with thin thin glazes mm -hmm. um, so that the light is literally floating across the surface mm -hmm. of the painting and, you know, if you look in the background there, it's got this, um, it's kind of a lavender. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like the trees are, yeah. you know, way off in the distance. And then in the fort, in the middle ground, you've got this, this uh, sienna tone um, and, and uh, like a brown yellow ochre. Mm -hmm. And then as we come closer, we come to the foreground, which is her and you know, one thing that Leonardo never did is, if you look at the whites of her eyes, mm -hmm. the whites of the eyes are never lighter than any one part of the skin. Oh, okay. And that was one of his little tricks that he did. <clears throat> and and also, I mean, if you look at her nose, it's it's not, again, we're seeing two perspectives simultaneously. Yeah. And they're ever so slightly off. Uh -huh. And you really have to look at it to notice it, mm -hmm. right? But uh, yeah, it went on, and then the greens, I started exploring the greens, and then those blues, and then um, sort of the golden on her shoulder there, her her outfit that she's wearing, she's got this beautiful kind of golden ribbon mm -hmm. uh, satin that's lining the edges, and mm -hmm. so I took that color, yeah. and I pulled that out, but that also matches the curls and the reflections of light off her hair, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, 52 paintings, and then... Um, but do you see these, what are your lines about? Do you see them as ribbons, or do you see them as um, gestures? Did you, <clears throat> I know this is going to sound totally bizarre, did you fall in love with her, and looking at her, and mm. her poetry, and the poetry of just the image? Mm. Because she's so sort of Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if you could, if you could take a piece of tracing paper and put it over that painting or a picture of the mm -hmm. painting, and just trace 
just the contours of her face. Yeah. And maybe just the yeah. forehead, right? Yeah. And then you trace just another section mm -hmm. of, of the painting. And that becomes your starting point. Mm -hmm. So again, that's what I was doing, was, mm -hmm. was basically mm -hmm. dissecting the piece mm -hmm. and, and then putting it back together again. Wow. I was picking it apart wow. and then putting it back together wow. <coughs> in hopes of sort of capturing something that was there that we couldn't quite see. Right. Making the invisible visible. Yeah. Um, and then um, I had a show with these paintings in uh, Naples, Italy. Mm -hmm. And I had a show in Los Angeles and a show in Chicago. Oh. Yeah, I think, as I recall. But the one in Italy, I was, I thought, you know, Leonardo is like God there. You know, and rightfully so. Um, I thought they're, I'm probably going to get just blasted out of the water for attempting to have this visual dialogue with the great master. You know, and um, but much to my surprise, they got it. They loved it. I got great, great write-ups, and uh, um, I was on um, oh, uh, Rye TV, Good Morning Cup of Joe, or something like one of those morning talk shows, and. And actually, Cynthia Penna um, had to drive to Rome to to be on the show, and they they sent a camera crew and filmed me uh, at the museum where the mm -hmm. show was, mm -hmm. and then they they showed clips and stuff. Oh, that's uh, but great. but Cynthia was there in the uh, TV studio, Fantastic. talking about it all. Yeah, Fantastic. and she did a great job. But um, yeah, you never know. You know, I just I think the secret to success is just keep showing up every day. And, you know, another thing is that you can't, you know, what I've learned over the years is you can't, I can't wait for somebody to give me the permission to do mm -hmm. a painting or a drawing or mm -hmm. to pick up my guitar or to go for a walk, whatever it is, you know, if it's something you want to do and you feel good about it and you feel passionate about it, then do it. Mm -hmm. Just go for it. Mm -hmm. And so this was, um, I learned a lot about painting with this series and which I for me is really exciting to mm -hmm. think that I'm still learning I'm still growing I'm still mm -hmm. delving deeper and deeper into the mysteries of paint and, and because you know Leonardo also used glazing a glazing process similar to what I use now um, it helped me understand his usage of it mm -hmm. which then helped me to understand how I use it right and what the similarities are, what the differences are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're trying to capture this ethereal moment of time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Leonardo da Vinci is such an amazing artist. So the first thing, I mean, that comes to my mind. I mean, a lot of my, my whenever I talk to you, my brain just gets flooded with questions. <laughs> and, I mean, the first one is that, you know, a lot of people would go to the museum and see that painting and go, mm. just forget painting. This guy did it. Mm -hmm. There's no point. Mm -hmm. And last night at a dinner party, a friend said, who do you think is the most you know, amazing, best painter in the world, worth, ever. you know, ever. Right. 
And I, I had to say, well, I think it's Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, Salvador Mundi. I mean, the Last Supper, Mona Lisa. I mean, so many, so many paintings. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, somebody else said Picasso. I'm like, I don't know about that. But what I want to say is that you have had uh, a few experiences with Leonardo da Vinci's paintings. Me? In person, yeah. Oh, yes, I have. And, and yeah. why, why, why is he so uh, exciting to you as mm. a painter? What, what is it about him that draws you back into the old masters today? I mean, you did this series a little while ago, and we're still talking about it today. Mm -hmm. It's still relevant. Well, you know, it's like when you go to the Louvre Museum in Paris and there's three paintings outside of this, in this grand hall of his, mm -hmm. right? Um, and these, you know, he's not painting like the Virgin Mary and all that stuff. He's not painting an actual person. He's painting an, an idea, mm -hmm. right? And, and so like Rembrandt is painting an actual person. Okay. Leonardo is, is painting, and even Geneva de Benci, yes, he's doing her portrait, but her portrait is an idea. Mm -hmm. um, the Mona Lisa is an idea. Who knows what she really looked like? I don't think he was concerned about that. I think he was concerned about uh, uh, communicating a, um, hmm, what's the right word? Um, well, it's, it's almost like, say the Egyptians and some of those statues of the pharaohs uh -huh. and the, their faces and what they just you know not too long ago realized is that they're perfectly symmetrical so the left side because we all have two sides to our faces and, and, and they're never mirrored right they don't match up quite right and this is what makes us look distinct and, and he certainly Leonardo certainly plays with that in this painting but the the um, the pharaohs, the Egyptians, you know, they've done with computers now. They can take half of the of the image and flip it, mm -hmm. and juxtapose it over the other side, and it's a perfect match, perfect. So it's a mirrored image, mm -hmm. which doesn't exist in reality. So what they're showing us is an idealized version mm -hmm. of this pharaoh, mm -hmm. right? And so you look at those paintings of Leonardo's and. They're an idealized version. They're not the person. And then, see, like when Caravaggio comes along, Caravaggio's not gonna paint anything idealized. He's gonna paint the real McCoy. And so he gets commissioned to do the Virgin Mary on her deathbed or whatever. And what does he do? He goes and gets a local prostitute to pose for him. Mm -hmm. And so when that's unveiled, you know, the, the townspeople go nuts. How dare you be so blasphemous? And, and paint a portrait of a prostitute um, as a Virgin Mary. You know, that kind of deal. Um, so these are two separate worlds, but they were both painting, um, you know, with concern of light and atmosphere and space. Um, but Leonardo's paintings, I think, were very much about, you know, and he was a scientist, first and foremost. He's, right. And so he was always thinking, and his paintings are thoughts. And so they, whenever I see them, like when, uh, when I first stood in front of the, uh, the Last Supper in Milan, 
you know, it just takes your breath away. You, you don't realize that it's that big. You don't realize that these figures are like twice the size of life or three times the size of real of a real person. And it's a huge painting. Mm-hmm. And this perspective line that he's got drawn in there. And, um, you know, and it was a, uh, a fresco. It was done on a wall. But, and then he did all these experiments with paint because <clears throat> oil paint and the lime in the cement don't mix, right? So it makes the, the paint pop off. Well, he was doing all these experiments and he thought he had it figured out to where the paint would, would be okay mm-hmm. on this cement uh, wall. And of course, within his lifetime, it started cracking and chipping and peeling off and, and all this stuff. Uh, but it was considered a great masterpiece then, yeah. At that time. Yeah. Um, and I think it was uh, the King of France, King Charles or something like that, who decided to invade Italy. And one of the things he wanted was the Last Supper. And he, he ordered his engineers to cut it out off the wall. But they couldn't. Couldn't do it. Because uh, the way it was all constructed. So he just took over the, the town, the city of Milan, instead. <laughs> But that's how revered that painting was. Yeah. And so when I was there, <clears throat> standing in front of it, you know, you get it. Uh-huh. Why it was so revered. Because yeah. it transcends everything that we think about what reality is, what time is, what the meaning of our lives are. There's a stillness to these paintings. Mm-hmm. There's an essence of, of the mysteries of life within mm-hmm. these works. And I think for me, it begins engaging my... So there's like a deeper place in my mind where language does not exist mm-hmm. that is potentially maybe connected to something much much bigger yeah than just this life right right and that's what his work does for me yeah I mean I wonder if if he was when he was doing his portrait of her if he was saying you know every person has a time clock Expiration, and I'm going to paint her in in, in two cycles mm-hmm. and put her together because he was a scientist. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know, maybe, and but you know, there are certainly he's painted two people, two versions, yeah. two perspectives, uh-huh. and like I said, if you look at one side of the face, she's young, she's yeah. in her twenties. You look yeah. at the other side of the face, she's looks 10, 15 years older. Yeah. You know, people didn't live a long time then. You get sick with a little cold or flu or something, you could be down and out right. permanently. Right. Um, <laughs> you get a little cut that gets infected, you're in trouble. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Different time. But it, um, uh, anyway, it was, it was, the work was well received, much to my surprise and, and happiness. And then when I had my show here in L.A., um, again, it was well received and nice write-ups, and uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I was a little concerned about, you know, what are the critics going to think? And I thought, you know what, I can't base my life on that. No, I mean, I mean, as a <clears throat> painter, I mean, I'm glad you're not caught up in that, you know. And can I do this? Mm-hmm. Shall I do this? What will people think? You just go for it. Yeah, if I used to, uh, uh, I used to read art magazines and, and all that stuff, and I got to the point, I thought, okay, if I want to get really, really, really depressed, 
and just go down a, a black hole, pick up an art magazine and read it cover to cover. <laughs> That'll just knock the wind out of my sails for two or three weeks, you know. So then you realize, stop reading that stuff. Yeah. And because that is an intellectual uh, look at a creative process, you know, they're trying to categorize, they're trying to define creativity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and a lot of conceptual work is about the conceptual part of one's thoughts. And, but painting is something very different. And painting is, it's, it's uh, alchemy. Uh -huh. And um, there's a magic to it. Uh -huh. There really is a magic to it. And you're turning water into wine. You're turning, yeah. you know, and, and it's quite extraordinary. And, and when I'm in the throes of a, of a painting, um, it's all consuming for me. And, and especially when I was younger, um, I felt like I was, every brushstroke was potential new discovery of mysteries of the universe. Um, you know, now I'm, I, I, I still think that, but I don't, I don't let it overwhelm me like I used to, mm -hmm. or it used to. Mm -hmm. But you know, now it's just part of the process. But that's for me is the joy of, of making art. Mm -hmm. yeah. if, if you did another work, you know, on the same same technique, taking an old master's uh -huh. and, and doing your interpretation, have you thought about what else you might do or are you just happy with what you did? I've thought about it. Um, actually, there was a, a Rembrandt painting called Flora that's at the... Um, Hermitage Museum, and it was uh, done of his wife, Saskia, and she was pregnant, and she's wearing this green satin robe, and she's got flowers in her hair, and I think maybe a bouquet or something, and it's, it's a really, really, really beautiful painting, and I did uh, a version of that, mm -hmm. my own version of that, yeah. when I got back from Russia, that one trip, but, um, you know, Caravaggio's another guy in my... Yeah. my mind um, his use of chiaroscuro where he's got light just protruding out from the darkness mm -hmm. um, and it's very theatrical mm -hmm. um, and the way he paints flesh mm -hmm. is is quite beautiful and seductive and it has a sexuality to it that is almost dangerous mm -hmm. um, Rembrandt's uh, surfaces are not his fleshiness is not dangerous in that way. They're not provocative in that mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Last question. Last question. It's going to be, it's going to take you a few minutes to answer it though. Uh-oh. How, how do you, <laughs> how do you enter that? You know, what's your first? <laughs> how do I dip my toes yeah. into the pond? Um, you begin, like, how do you prepare yourself for that? It's not like an actor. <clears throat> no, I guess not. Um, it's not like, well, it depends on method acting is, is where you're coming from the inside out. But, but do you just close your eyes and, you know, just meditate on the image and just and let it go? I mean, I, I mean with the Ginevra di Benici, you said you, you followed, you know, the lines. Well, I had the, book, I had the book open and I left it open for, it was probably open to that page for three years. And so every time, even before I started the series, every time I walked into the studio, I looked at that painting. Mm -hmm. I just looked at it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's 10 seconds. Maybe it's a minute. Mm -hmm. 
and absorb that moment, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and because I'm changing every day, the world's changing around us every day, mm -hmm. and so therefore I'm going to possibly see it slightly differently yeah. from day to day. And it becomes an accumulation of information and until I felt like I was ready yeah. to delve into it. And I think that um, there's a possibility I might be doing something coming up, which I won't talk about just yet. Yeah. But um, um, I think what I will do is probably some, and I'm, I've, I've been thinking about it, and maybe some Sumi ink uh, drawings, just on big sheets of paper with black ink and, and kind of blocking out the light from the dark mm -hmm. and to see, to see what those shapes begin to look like. Mm -hmm. um, and then how do I turn those shapes into something that I recognize? Something that is, you know, floating somewhere between my conscious and subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, and, and this particular painting I'm thinking about, um, I have a book at my studio that's open to it right now. Okay. So I keep going in there and looking at it. Okay, so it's something like, for Yes, yes. So, uh, you know, but mum's a word for now. Um, but, you know, I'm, I mean, even with the still point, series at the Still Point of the Turning World, it is my interpretation of his words, mm -hmm. but it's his words that are inspiring the colors and inspiring, and then the colors are inspiring the movement. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's um, and I, you know, and the same is true with this uh, Leonardo da Vinci painting, it's, it's his colors and his forms and the way he paints space that becomes my my starting point yeah Fantastic. yep yep can I do it can I play a little guitar again yeah, as an exit please. okay yes, please. thank, Let's you. See. thank you for uh, sharing the series and your work and your process and inspiration well you're welcome Leonardo da Vinci you put the line in the coconut Drink the bottle, you put the line in the coop.